0: Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised.
1: This podcast may contain, but is not limited to, strong language, sexual content, violence, and death.
0: This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Crystal. Welcome Welcome to to Crime Night. Night. Tonight's episode is about Julie Ann Hansen from Naperville, Illinois. Julie Ann Hansen was born in 1957 to Jerome and Marguerite Hansen. Jerome was a district sales manager for Chemical Lehman Tank Line Incorporated, where he worked for 40 years. And Marguerite was a registered nurse for 42.
1: Julie grew up in Naperville, Illinois, and she was the middle of three children. She had an older sister, Jill, who was three years older than her, and a an younger brother, Mark, who was three years younger she was described as a very personable and friendly person.
0: At 7 p.m. on Friday July 7th 1972 15 year old Julie borrowed her brother Mark's bicycle and rode it down to the local baseball field to watch him play a baseball game.
1: At this time it was the 70s so it wasn't it was a safer time. It wasn't weird for a teenager to be riding a bike, mm-hmm. and Naperville in general is just a very, very safe, safe area. Mm-hmm. Even today, I think it would be normal for a teenager to be out and about by themselves right. in the Naperville area. It's
0: just a generally safe area with very populated too. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of people around mm-hmm. to kind of keep an eye on things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was actually the last time Julie was seen alive.
1: So the next day on July 8th, Julie's sister became worried because nobody had seen her since the night before when she left for the baseball game. And as their parents weren't home, Jill was the one in charge of her siblings. So she actually called the the Naperville Police Department and filed a missing persons report for her sister and you know she jill was 18 at the time so it wasn't really yeah. a was, big deal for her to be in charge i'm assuming and, and, and yeah she yeah. probably was left in charge of her siblings a lot
0: even growing up i mean like your parents worked you just stayed at mm-hmm. home with an mm-hmm. older sibling i mean it wasn't like you went to daycare or had a babysitter it's just the oldest kind of kept an eye on everybody, made sure everybody stayed alive.
1: Even when I was growing up in the 90s, I was in the early 2000s, I would be left home with my sister when Mm -hmm. I was a teenager, right? you know, for periods of time. And I believe like the babysitting age is what, like 13, 14, something like that. Yeah, it
0: used to be 12. I think it's 14 now, but it used to be 12 at one point. And I think even before that, it may have been younger, maybe 10 or something like that, 10, 11, somewhere in there at one point but it's yes. I think it's fourteen now and you have to have like be licensed to babysit now mm-hmm. which
1: back then you didn't have yeah. license and
0: <laughs> No no the oldest could watch like you know half the neighborhood <laughs> probably and and everybody would be okay. So it wasn't wasn't common that the oldest was watching all the younger kids yeah. and especially neighbor as kids an and,
1: adult. She was
0: yeah 18's adult.
1: eighteen adult so she was yeah. able to make you know have her own family if she really wants to yeah so, yeah and then she you know probably watched them a lot yeah growing up
0: yeah but she had her own life too so maybe friends were over and you know they were hanging out you never know what the situation was nobody really realized that she she had gone missing till the next day
1: well i mean um, i mean at, in the 70s it probably was just like you know whenever you get home you get home if the oldest went to sleep already
0: yeah yeah i then. grew up in the i was born in the early 70s so i was born around that time so even growing up in the 70s and 80s we would be gone with crack of dawn and we would come home you know pitch black at night and everybody in the neighborhood would be running around and just having a good time and everybody's parents like would watch everybody in the neighborhood you know so everybody kind of kept an eye on each other's kids and kind of knew who was with who and where they were, what they were doing, where they were going kind of a thing. So that was kind of nice. And I'm sure it was like that for them in Naperville too, at that time, especially.
1: That's not far from
0: Mm -mm. where Where you were at
1: the
0: time. Yep. And
1: um, were your parents and siblings asleep sometimes when you got home?
0: I don't know. I was usually with my siblings (laughs) minus my sister who was a little bit older than me, but I was usually with my two older brothers, but I mean, Were parents late? um, I think at that time, my dad probably was working overnights and then my mom would be like working during the day. Well, she didn't go to work until I was like 12 though. So that's when she said, well, no, she went before that, I guess. I don't know exactly when she started working full time, but I mean, there was always somebody there, like, so maybe like my so dad would be sleeping i guess my dad would be sleeping during the day and then my mom would be there at night but we still be running around the neighborhood but would she be asleep before i don't know probably i don't know <laughs> did you see
1: her when you got home ever
0: that was so long ago i can't remember it probably i would imagine <laughs> they probably were i would i would assume that she was home i'd have to ask her but
1: i would imagine in the 70s like i mean like like you'll just see your child in the morning like it was safe too like you didn't expect them to go missing
0: Right. And And if
1: they didn't get home until the next day, they were probably at a friend's house, usually.
0: Right. And we, I mean, we would be running around, and yes, we did drink out of a garden hose, too, which everybody doesn't do anymore. But we'd be running around, and it was our source of getting something to drink is turn on somebody's garden hose, get a drink, and. Just like a random person. Well, no. He had to know (laughs) the people, (laughs) like, say you have friends or, you know, yours or whatever. Everybody would get a a drink out of everybody's, you know, hot garden hose. But, I mean, if if you see, yeah, I guess I see my parents at night, usually, going to bed.
1: Yeah. Well, the parents were home, so I guess the older sister might do things differently.
0: Right. Yeah. And then if you hear, you think you hear them, maybe, you know, maybe it was a brother that they, mm-hmm. she heard upstairs and thought it was her and it was like, okay, well, everybody's home, How to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And being an older sister, it, you wouldn't go and say Necessarily good night to the older sister, like you would a parent, I wouldn't think.
1: I was like <laughs> that. My <laughs> poor sister. <laughs> this is
0: a little mother hen, huh?
1: <laughs> I was. I was very motherly towards her growing up. Uh
0: huh. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Later that day, the police found Mark's bicycle in a ditch, um, and it was on 87th Avenue between Washington Street and Modaf. Um, and then they found Julie's body approximately a hundred feet away from where the bicycle was, and that um, was very close to their to their house. They lived on Basswood Drive, so it was just a couple miles from there where her body was was found.
1: The Well County coroner William Blood indicated that she had been stabbed about thirty six times in her chest, back arm side neck um just all over for the most part Mm. it was also evident that she had been raped beforehand and the naperville police actually were able to get a sample of semen off of julie's clothes that they uh decided to they couldn't do anything with it at the time they didn't really have dna technology back then like we did but Mm -hmm. um they had good forethought to you know keep it and see what the future brings
0: Mm -hmm. and i know when they were starting to do the investigation and looking for and stuff like that they did not indicate that she was actually raped at that time probably because they wanted to keep that information private just for
1: i would guess several
0: reasons Mm -hmm. would be probably you know smart
1: they like to a lot of investigators like to keep as much information private as possible. That way, if Mm -hmm. somebody knows that information, then they likely have committed that crime or know somebody who committed that crime or heard it from somebody who committed that crime.
0: Because usually people talk.
1: Yes, and eventually if that's something they heard, then the police have a lead to find the person.
0: Right, something believable. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something that you shouldn't have known unless
0: you were there. Mm-hmm. Or heard it mm-hmm. firsthand or possibly secondhand, but mm-hmm. heard it from somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With no leads in the investigation, the Naperville Police Department never stopped searching for new leads and new suspects. In 1996, the Will County State's Attorney, who is Jim Glasgow, um, he's still actually the State's Attorney now today, uh, he actually reviewed a case alongside an a couple other unsolved cases
1: major Morris was the first person of interest that they looked at and he was a 42 year old married father of two daughters at the time that they looked at him he was actually eventually convicted of two separate murders one in 1996 and one in 1997 The first murder he was convicted of was Roberta Jean Anderson, who was an 18-year-old from nearby Oswego. On September 27th of 1973, Roberta was found raped and stabbed over 60 times.
0: Wow, that's overkill. Yeah, Hmm. major.
1: The second person that he was convicted of murdering was Margaret Stern, who was also 18 years old from Woodridge, Illinois and she was last seen on September 15th of 1978 at the College of DuPage, located in Glen Allen. and her remains were actually not found until several years later in 1986. Major Morris was also suspected in other murders, including Julie's, and he actually was never convicted of any other murders, and nothing ever connected him to Julie's murder.
0: The Naperville Police Department never considered this to be a cold case as they actually continued to search for her and they kept it a very active case. When um, they had new recruits come in, they had them look over the, the case to see if they could find anything or, you know, fresh eyes on something, may catch something that somebody else may have missed. But and they all had like the pictures of Julie on their desk and, and stuff like that. So it it was never never given up on they they kept continuously
1: never forgotten about it yep
0: and they know they would continuously keep active with it they actually cont- uh, kept in contact with the hansen family as well throughout the you know nearly 50 years in november of 2020 the neighborville police department reached out to identifinders international as a last resort misty gillis led the forensic team that worked with the president and the um, founder of Identifinder International, Colleen Fitzpatrick, PhD. It took six months and numerous challenges with no guarantee success. The sample was one trillionth of a gram. It was old and degraded as well. They finally created a viable genetic genealogy data. In using GEDmatch, it took them just a little over two hours to actually find a DNA match, which I thought was pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty quick, quick. Mm-hmm. pretty quick once they were able to actually get that sample yes. to where they needed it to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it was took quick. a long
1: time to get the sample, but quickly to find a, a match.
0: Yeah, they have to have it just right in order to be able to to be able to use that mm-hmm. that DNA sample,
1: especially so
0: small and oh, old. Old. And... I mean, that's you know forty nine years old. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they were able to even get anything off of that. I mean, that's that's some really good work.
1: And it's a small (laughs) thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It's amazing
1: the technology that we have today.
0: Yeah, compared to back then. Mm -hmm. Just compared in general. In general, right, because they didn't have it back then. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once the results were found, they were handed over to the Naperville PD, and they took it over from there the dna actually led to a relative of a man named barry lee welpley like many of us barry's relative took one of those um commercial dna tests like ancestry 23andme Um, those are the popular ones
0: yeah yeah they had mentioned the 23andme so i'm wondering if that was the one that they actually used or not but that's Mm -hmm. kind of the one that they had mentioned
1: 76-year-old Barry was the police's newest suspect due to the DNA match. He was 27 years old at the time of Julie's murder and actually only lived a few blocks away from the Hanson family at that
0: time. On June 2nd, 2021, Barry was taken into custody in Ramsey County, Minnesota before he was extradited to Will County, Illinois. At the time of Barry's arrest, he was actually a retired welder and he was living a very comfortable life. Um, he was living in Mound View, Minnesota, which is just 12 miles outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. And he appeared to be your typical guy next door, like no real, you know, indication that he was going to be the, a, a murderer. Um, mm-hmm. He also had no criminal record, which they knew of, you know, there could have been stuff that he did along the way and just never got caught.
1: Barry is actually currently charged with four counts of murder in the first degree as of um, the day we're filming, which is July 5th. So um, things may, you know, change between now and Mm -hmm. when the episode goes up on the 14th. And he's being held on a $10 million dollar bond. and there's a possibility that he may actually be involved in other unsolved cases, which authorities are actually looking into to see um, if he, you know has been involved in other murders. Which, people um, who uh, go about raping and stabbing people 36 just... times don't tend to be, just the one time,
0: right? I think he just got lucky yeah. and got away with it. Mm-hmm. I mean he, you know, probably moved around and and just got lucky. His next court appearance is going to be um, the end of August, so we'll we'll see what happens. You know, after that, things may change. He may go to trial. He may may not. Just going to depend on what happens that day. Julie's sister Jill and her brother Mark were actually in attendance at a news conference that was held on June 4th, 2021, and they made a statement that expressed their gratitude to everybody that was involved in finding Julie's killer.
1: Julie's dad, Jerome, died November 3rd, 2009, and her mom, Marguerite, died August 14th, 2019. They both died without their daughter's case being solved, without knowing Mm -hmm. who murdered their daughter. Um, Julie is actually buried in Naperville Cemetery
0: alongside her parents. So they, they died without any closure. Mary has not been convicted of Julie's murder at this time, and the police are still looking for any additional information. Anyone with any information regarding Julie's murder um, should please contact the Investigation Department at the Naperville Police Department at 603 You can also give any information to Crime Stoppers anonymously by calling either 1-800-222-TIPS, that is 1-800-222-8477, or submit a tip on their website at www.crimestoppersusa.org. Uh, Forward slash contact forward slash submit hyphen a hyphen tip. Any contact information we have just mentioned will be listed in the description. Thank you for listening to Crime Night.
1: You can find our sources on our website listed in the podcast description.
0: You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube under Crime Night Podcast.
1: Please join us every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time.
0: Good Good night. night.